For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio. one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're here to continue the positional reviews for 2021. Uh, the Ravens' season ending uh, very abruptly with that six-game losing streak. Uh, the interior offensive line play, actually, I think probably one of the highlights of the Ravens' season. And here to discuss it with me is Jason Smith of Huddle It Up Films. Jason, how are you doing? I'm doing really well, Ken. Thanks for having me as part of the series. I appreciate that. No, it's great to it's great to talk football whenever we can, Jason. Where we we do a lot of podcasts now per year together. I'm sure we'll do a number because you're a guy we depend on for a lot of draft material, and uh, oftentimes on our our live show we do for the draft, you'll you'll we use your big board as kind of an anchor to kind of talk about prospects. I think is fun. So uh, we'll uh, we'll be looking for you forward to lots of content, lots of opportunities to talk this off season. Yeah, I can't wait, Ken. I can't wait for the draft. <laughs> It's, a, it's a going to be a fun one for the Ravens. Lots of draft capital, uh, much more than usual in terms of their position has really increased a lot of the value of the of their picks round by round. So, uh, you know, they have uh, a fair amount of additional JJ capital, and it's a nice flatter valuation draft from my perspective. I know you, you look at the draft, and I, I don't know how much you look in terms of the draftable players, but I would expect there are more this year not yet having done my reviews and top tens by position and try to compare this year's top 10 to say the last couple of years, top tens. Uh, but I do expect a, a, a deeper class at some key positions running back uh, defensive line, uh, offensive line being among those because of the COVID impacts from 2021. That's what I was going to say. It seemed like last year was so messed up, just a basic term, that we're getting rewarded this year with a, almost a double draft. Uh, not quite that much. That's exaggeration. But, you know, I actually started with the running backs, and I'm looking, and I'm 12 deep, and I go to number 13, and he was better than number 8. And in it's, previous it, year's drafts. In previous year's drafts, it's like if, you know, if, for instance, if we were to draft a running back this year, you're going to get a better prospect than your Justice Hills or Bernard Pierce uh, other running backs we've taken in the fourth round. So I just can't wait to 
deep dive into all the positions, but I started with running back just to ease into it with a position of not necessarily need before I got down to the nitty gritty. But yeah, I know we're here to talk about the IOL, but, uh, but yeah, the draft's going to be great. It's like Christmas. You get new presents again. Yeah, it's, that's exactly, uh, exactly how it feels. A football new year at the draft. I, I love, uh, uh, I love that night and those those nights, uh, you know, and 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 how well they do. And, and I'm I'm glad to hear somebody corroborate at a position like running back, where the Ravens had so much difficulty finding any talent that was on the street in year one or a rookie. But you know, year one player, by the way, you have to explain. I know you understand this is a a guy who previously was on somebody's practice squad. Uh, but never has played a season yet in the NFL, and a rookie is a guy who just came out of college. If if you those two groups typically have all sorts of talent that's that's you know under rocks that haven't been turned up, except by teams like the Ravens who do a very good deep job of scouting at small schools in particular, and and they're able to, they know who a lot of these guys are, and the Ravens have done a great job of picking up those guys. And that's what's driven a lot of what's made them a great UDFA team. But also in recent years, when they've needed extra bodies at running back, they had stylistic fits ready to go mm-hmm. from that position group. And this year, there just wasn't anybody available. There's there nobody on the street. There really wasn't. I think, um, you know, just one last note on that. I think the NFL as a whole is going to get younger and more talented this year. So that in itself is exciting. And then the other part of it is when you get to a position like running back and I'm looking, like I said, I looked at about 20 guys already. It's almost to the point where do you want a great value in round four or do you just say the heck with it? Whoever's not drafted is going to be almost as good as that guy. Yeah. So <laughs> so it's uh, it's really going to be an interesting class. I cannot wait to do the draft with you. And I'm kind of holding back on a lot of my information because I really need to get my stuff straight this year. It's not as simple as last year. It should be a lot of fun anyway. We've got a lot more to review than we did a year ago in terms of, of just available video and whatnot. So that'll that'll be a lot of fun in and of itself. Let's get back to the, the interior, interior offensive line. It's always good organic conversation, though. The interior offensive line, another position where there were a lot of, of COVID sit-outs. Uh, so, so the draft will be impacted there. But let's just talk about the Ravens players for starters. I'm going to start with Bradley Bozeman, who uh, certainly had a fourth year that made him a lot of money. Uh, he uh, played well. I think he, you know, an argument could be made that he was, I think, the second best, but not by too distant from Zeitler in terms of being the, the Ravens' best offensive lineman. I agree. I, I think that Bozeman, you know, had his ups and downs, but it was mostly up. I mean, he was he was really steady player. Uh, every player has their ups and downs, but Bozeman was really, really steady. He made himself a lot of money. I'm looking at over the cap, the top eight centers all make between 10 and 13 and a half million. So it's not a position in which you're going to have your $18 million a year guys like your top guards. But they make good coin because, you know, your centers, obviously, uh, even though it's a supportive position, you're working together with your guards. You're not one on one as much as other positions, but it's still a leadership position and entails more than just what happens uh, between the whistles. Yeah, I, I I agree. I mean, and, and one of the things I think they really helped Bozeman with this with the, this year was taking some of that leadership away from him, uh, giving it to Zeitler. You you see Zeitler handling a lot of the line calls, getting the getting the cadence set or getting it ready. Uh, then you see the butt tap, and that that uh, that leads you into into Bozeman's responsibilities to, to snapping the ball. 
it, that that played pretty well. Bozeman not only did he improve year over year, but he also improved during the season in terms of um, how he was snapping the football. That, I think that was going to be critical to his value. Didn't have any really flagrant mistakes during the regular season. There was a dribbler. He, he hit his rear end in week eighteen. We saw that that led to led to a big play, um, but. Generally speaking, I thought he he did much better than he had in uh, in 2020. And uh, okay, I, I have more to say on that, but I'll let you. I was going to say the, the one thing I wanted to compliment Bradley on is just play style uh, compared to some centers that we've seen. He, he's he's really strong, Ken. He's a strong mm-hmm. player, a strong center. He's not as mobile as say your your Matt Skura is as good as climbing to the second level. But um, man, if he had just a little more help to his left. There were there were times where he was really uh, able to provide a place to step up for our quarterbacks, which which was really nice. And then, you know, I did his highlights a few days ago and and you can see him on help when he's helping somebody knocking guys on their butt uh, a handful of times in that video, in that video, looking for work and finishing that work. So stylistically, I liked having a big, strong center, I guess is what I'm saying. It, It was a nice refreshing because the Vince Wilforks and those kind of guys are still kind of there, even though their position is being faded out. Uh, you still need some beef up there at, at center. And uh, it was nice to see some really more than functional strength from Bradley Bozeman at that position. Yeah, he's one of the bigger centers in the league. And, and you know, there are some undersized guys, but a, a, there's a lot of guys in that 305 range at center. And Bradley Bozeman is more like 325 now. Uh, you really notice it when he walks next to players like Alan Rick- or, sorry, Patrick Ricard, who is supposed to be, they still list him at like 311. He's, he probably weighs 265 now, 270 in his, in his fullback role. But they're completely different body types. They're basically the same height. Bozeman's actually a, a, an inch taller. But Bozeman is huge relative to yes. Ricard. I mean, and, and you really notice that at camp. Um, if, if you uh, look back to week seven of this year, he had a very fine game against Cincinnati in week seven, while the rest of the team obviously was not playing very well. Uh, he only had one game rated a C the rest of the year after that. He had a D and F and a D the three weeks prior to that. So that was his one, the, the weeks four to six were his dip in the entire season. But after that, his grades by game, A, B, B, C, B, A, A minus, A, A minus, uh, sat out the Rams game and then a B plus against Pittsburgh. Uh, that's a hell of a finish for a guy and, and it will, it will definitely make him some money. Uh, so he's, he's a, uh, uh, in, in position, unfortunately, from the Ravens fans perspective, uh, to go out to the free agency market, do very well. Um, if, if he's going to, if he's going to be out there in free agency and we know we're going to lose him, we hope he does as well as possible, obviously, and, and, uh, maximizes the comp pick the Ravens get for him. I don't, I don't think there's a, a, a high likelihood that he comes back. Uh, I think there is a market out there for them. I think there's multiple teams who would be interested. Uh, what, what kind of percentage chance would you assign to, to him returning to the Ravens? After I saw the press conference, I, it would have to be something really low that I don't even want to say because his 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 season-ending presser, you could tell he was a man that was reflecting on his time in Baltimore, and basically it seemed like a goodbye. I mean, you don't have to be an amateur psychologist or really, but, you know, even into that kind of stuff. My, my wife walked by and I'm like, look on, this is look at Bradley Bozeman. She's like, Oh, he's, he's gone. Isn't he? And I'm like, yeah, he's gone, man. Like he's, he's really tearing up and upset and he, he, he deserved it. I mean, he deserved his money. Um, he, he des- deserves a place in this league. I think he's, you know, he's not going to be a top five type center, you know, people liked rankings, but he's, he, he's in that 10 range. 
I, I wouldn't hesitate to put him in a five to 10, five to 15, depending on what kind of system you're in. He's, he made himself some money. Good player. And that probably means he'll get between the second and fourth biggest contract in the entire league right now. So, I mean, it, it wouldn't it would not shock me if he gets the biggest contract ever given to a center this offseason. But but I think probably between the second and fourth biggest contracts is probably where we're looking. I give him 20, 20, 25 percent chance to return to the Ravens. Uh, the okay. notion that he would take less to be in Baltimore, I don't put a lot of cre- I give a lot of credence to. But I think if if he really felt like he wanted to play with Lamar Jackson or Zeitler and that they would improve his own play, there would be reasons to do it. But you know, frankly, just in the in the in the purest business terms, this is Bradley Bozeman's one chance to cash in on his talent as a football player. And if he takes ten million less over five years or or over four years with the Ravens, I think he'd be a fool. So I, I, I don't expect that. I, I expect he will move on and and uh, and make a lot of money somewhere else. And I think the Ravens honestly have have indicated that that's the case by the contract they gave to Patrick McCarry. I don't think you give him that kind of money unless I don't think you give him that kind of money as as simply a sixth offensive line. And I think their plan is for him to play center next year uh, and then also be available for the, for the versatility that, that, that he brings. But I think they, they probably want him to be the starting center next year. I think so too. And uh, just to just to go back a, a minute, you know, you you look at your top three centers: Frank Ragnall, thirteen and a half uh, average per year; Corey Lindsley, twelve point five; Ryan Kelly of the Colts, twelve point four. So yeah, and then it goes to a bunch of guys that have that make ten million. So Bradley Bozeman at twelve million. I mean, that's going to be a good deal for the other team for whoever signs him. Mm-hmm. But the reason I put it so low again is. What I saw from him personally, and then also the McCary thing, like you just brought up, I think that it would be a good plan in place. Um, I'm not sure if you have your grading from a couple of years ago when McCary or how McCary is graded out at center, but to me, he looked pretty darn good in that role until all of a sudden in Buffalo, he couldn't snap the ball. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, so as far as like you, you know, when the Ravens go with that 80 20 type. Uh, philosophy. Hey, we can get 80% of what Bradley Bozeman, heck, McCary might even be as good as Bradley Bozeman, but we have McCary on the roster now for $6 million a year. I would think that their plan of attack this year coming up, Ken, would be to draft a young guy, and you have McCary, you have Tristan Colon, and mm-hmm. you have the rookie all in there as options at center for the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, and then and then you have you have a backup even if you're forced into having McCarry play tackle, which unfortunately seems awfully likely that it will happen at some point. Oh, okay. One of the one of the questions coming up for 2022, and this is you bring it up now. Let's let's talk about it while it's while it's hot. Is is it a better move for the Ravens to have McCarry be a pure sixth offensive lineman? where his only role initially, he'll play some backup center in the preseason. He'll be ready to play that position as needed, but he'll also be ready to, to step in at guard if that's needed or a tackle if that's needed, on, on, particularly on the right side. Um, do, do, you, do you start him like that so that your change on the offensive line could be a one-for-one change as opposed to having to swap two positions if McCary has to move to right tackle from center and then you have to bring in a new center? I really think that it, the plan for the Ravens is to start him out at center. Yeah, I, I would guess if I had to guess, and I, I don't have any inside knowledge, but I bet you that they were negotiating a little bit with Bradley, negotiating a little bit with McCary, getting a feel for where each player was. McCary says, "Hey, I'll take this." I mean, it's a sweet deal for the Ravens. It's a six million dollar, uh, basically McCary three years, fifteen point four million. So 
you know, you get a, if a starting center at five million, it was just as good or almost as good as Bradley Bozeman. I think that's the plan that they went for. And to answer your question on flexibility, I think that they can get that from other areas as far as, uh, you know, we're going to need another guard in here one way or the, or another. I don't think people, uh, they just think we have to replace Bozeman, but it could be a guard tackle guy that gives you a flexibility. So where you can say, okay, well, we have another guy that can kick out like a Tyree Phillips type, um, and play tackle, play guard. We're not sure, but, um, I would love in an ideal world, I would love to have McCary as the sixth lineman. I think that that would be the best ideal lineup for the 2022 Ravens. Yeah. I, I, I tolerate one guy who's a guard tackle or IOL tackle on the roster. If you're depending on multiple guys for that, you got a real problem. I want to have three guys that only play tackle, and I want to have two guys who are really able to play left tackle. And that's where the Ravens are really going to have to address a lot of, of, of where they deal with the draft capital. Because right now, I don't think they, I think they have zero guys on the roster who they're sure of in terms of playing tackle. I don't think, yeah. you know, can't be sure about Ronnie Stanley. If you're thinking about Juwan James, I mean, that's the last refuge of a scoundrel. I've been saying is is a it's a it's a that is the biggest lottery ticket of all in terms of him coming back and playing at a high level and not getting hurt because it's all of those things. That's what you need. You don't just need you don't just need oh he came back and played a high level but he got hurt. Well, you should have anticipated that. He guy hasn't played in three years basically. Exactly, and I think just maybe to clarify because maybe I didn't explain that we're gonna have to bring in tackles and yep. chances are that if we have a you know, say James comes comes back or Ronnie comes back healthy, we're hopefully we're not playing around with that position. Ken, we're bringing in tackles, and if we have three, one of them might be able to play guard, or if we have four, rather, one of them might be able to be used at guard because you still have that depth. So I'm not talking about pure guards that can your desperation throwing out a tackle. I'm kind of mm-hmm. talking about the other way around because we can't mess around with the tackle position. Yeah. That's I, I mean, I agree, and, and that's the way I would approach it is exactly the way you're talking about it. Yet those guys you're talking about that are tackles that could play guard, mm-hmm. I mean, th- there there are some of them, but they're tackles that could play guard, and I thought of, of guards generally for physical limitation purposes. So like some of the draft picks from last year in particular, the tackles, had a lot of real short-armed right tackles, uh, sorry, tackles who weren't going to make it at tackle. Liam Eikenberg you know, played a fair amount of tackle for Miami and sucked. Right. Uh, you know, Carmen, uh, the, the guy with the Bengals, was a guy who you, everybody knew really had to be moved inside uh, right away. Yep. I, I, you, uh, you and I, I, you know, in comparing draft lists last, last year, I remember there being a lot of guys at tackle who just, you know, you project them to the NFL, they're a guard. It was the guy, the, the, this Christensen, right, the center. That yes. they, that uh, BYU, you know, was, I believe. Yeah. Yep, the yeah. guy from BYU. Yes, yeah, who had played tackle there. But it's tr- it's just generally true that there are a lot of guys who play tackle in college, and they they can't cut it in the NFL at the position because the physical you know minimums are are, are at a higher level. Uh, and occasionally, to, yeah, I, I just wanted to add, Ken. This this whole situation, out of all of it, stresses me out the most. Yeah, it's, it's what I don't want to think about is how they're going to attack the line because. Who knows what's going on with Stanley? I'm kind of with you. You can't – Jawan James would be just a great surprise. And if he comes up and rises up to be your best right tackle, that's, that's a bonus you got to look at. So there's a lot of ways we can slice this. And um, it's going to be – I'm going to just try to exercise patience. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, Ronnie Stanley, uh, I'm afraid to think this is the case. But my fear would be if he's not ready to play in 2022 – that we really might not see him again. Yeah. And it doesn't mean he won't be a Raven because they can't cut him next year. 
So yep. he'll be a Raven for all of 22. In 23, they can do it. It's not really a big savings, but they, they, you know, they, they could figure out when is the appropriate time to get the contract off the books. But if, if, if the injury is such that he can't play again, I mean, obviously, that's a very severe hit for the Ravens, uh, you know, in terms of the total uh, guaranteed value of that contract plus, you know, because they'll play out some non-guaranteed dollars, too. Uh, frankly, you know, not, uh, you know, not producing any value. And, and uh, it, the situation is awful for Ronnie. Don't, don't get me wrong. I, I, I wish the best for him personally. And, and it's the first consideration, or it should be the first consideration for all of us, is that he has a normal life with that ankle. But, uh, you know, it may be that, that uh, his days of playing football are over. And I certainly hope I'm, I'm, I'm not I, – I am over, being overly pessimistic with that viewpoint. But, you know, we went through the Dennis Pitta era here in Baltimore, and uh, honestly, that's exactly what we went through. Yeah, those kind of injuries, double surgeries. I mean, it, it, it's a really tough situation for Ronnie. And again, we're not talking about, uh, you know, a quarterback or this is – you need eight good linemen, Ken, really. If you want to go oh, yeah. into a season confident, you better have eight guys that you can you can say, hey, we can use that guy. He'll be more than fine. He'll be good. And, um, you know, when you have such a, you know, such a talent like Ronnie at such an important position, making that kind of money and his status is up in the air. I mean, that's a superstar right there. Kind of incredible that the Ravens really had a surplus of players, both on the offensive line and at cornerback. From that position. Two, two positions where that depth eroded within the season on them, like in a, in a snap. I mean, the cornerback took the entire year as a long ski slope down to the, uh, street level players on the team with Seymour and, and uh, Jackson and Worley all playing on the field at the same time in one nightmare scenario. But, but the, the, you know, the tackle position went downhill very quickly, obviously. And, and uh, they were able to trade Ben Bredesen during the preseason, get a, a decent return on him just because it's very hard for NFL teams to find eight guys that they can really trust and, and, uh, and, and to, to maintain their depth. And, uh, you know, the Ravens had started right away. They, they, you know, they lost Phillips in game one. They lost Stanley after game one. Uh, it just it, it, it went, went downhill very quickly for the Baltimore Ravens, unfortunately. So we, we talked about Bozeman and we, we talked about McCary. Um, another guy that I wanted to talk about is Ben Powers. Sure. Um, he played 13 games, first 13 games, I believe, before he got hurt. And, um, you know, had up, you know, he graded in the C's for you. But this is a guy mm-hmm. that traditionally we kind of split on with our overall assessment mm-hmm. into where I kind of think he's topped out. I don't think he make, gives you as many splash plays. I, don't, I mean, I think he technically makes the blocks, but they're not, you know, not giving you space. Um, so I'm, I've been a little lower on powers than, than you have. Um, but I want to see a situation, Ken, where a guy like Ben Powers, who's entering the final year of his contract, where he has really we we cultivate this inside this interior so well that he's on the outside looking in when training camp starts and he's really got to earn his spot that we're not just giving a spot Ben Powers where we're aggressively addressing this situation where a guy like Powers has to progress keep getting better or he might be on the outside looking in uh, trade him in for a younger player. I mean, his his status is particularly complicated for a couple of reasons. First of all, he earned an escalator bonus. So he's now going to make, and you can look it up on OTC if you would, but mm-hmm. something like $2.5 million this year, which is, you know, 
twice what the Ravens would would probably like to. They, they'd like to pay him something over a vet minimum, but I think they'd rather they'd be happier paying him one point five or one point seven million. Something's just a little bit of a premium to the vet men. Um, and having him play for that. But honestly, at that level, he's he's on the bubble starting camp because the Ravens are tight on cap. And, you know, they're, they're going to look at that as a, a million and a half of harvestable cap if they bring in a vet, uh, a veteran to do it. Do you have the actual number there on OTC? Yeah. So it's looking at unearned, partially earned money. Um, yeah, he, he went up from it looks like uh, he made himself a good. Uh, so what's his base salary for 22? Do you have that in front of you? So for twenty two, his base salary is two point five four. Okay, so that's that. That was what I recalled too. So you know, if you compare that to what the vet minimum is, which is nine hundred thirty seven thousand, I think when you when you when you factor in the discount, you know, there's lots of Ravens, lots of reasons why the Ravens would just say, "I'm sorry, we can't we can't play it." Ben Cleveland's going to be our starter, our presumptive starter, and I think that's going to be the case. And we can talk about that next. But but then in, in the case of Powers, they they really have to say, yeah, you got to earn this spot, and we need to consider all the factors. We're 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 willing to keep you around, but there's a number, and it's lower than that. And the Ravens will very rationally look at this and say, you know, he might be a guy who could play well. And frankly, if he played as well as he did the whole season, there would be suitors for Ben Powers in 2023. So if he played 13 games again, as well as he did this year, I mean, PFF has him, you know, pretty high in their total rankings of guard. I have him as a solid C player for the entire year. Um, it, 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 there's enough there that somebody's going to say, you know what, we'll we'll give that guy three years and 12 million or something. It won't be a, won't be a right. bank breaker of a contract, but it'd be enough to earn the Ravens a comp pick, which is why they'll look at, you know, hey, is it worth paying an extra six or seven hundred thousand for Ben Powers to stay in Baltimore this year? I mean, it, just to back up your point, different contract situation. But we were just talking about Ben Bredesen netting a fourth round pick, which tells you there's a value. I mean, Powers has played much more football uh, than Bredesen and better, has yeah. and better. So, uh, yeah, there, there'll be a market. But, you know, it's it's what do we save two and a half million before having to replace them. So. You know, you're looking at a million plus, yeah, Yeah, one and a half um, where every penny counts. And like I said, just to get younger in that room, to get somebody maybe with more upside, to get a better player. Um, You know, we mentioned how deep this draft is. I haven't dug into the guards, but you may be able to get a Ben Powers like player, uh, maybe as ready or as good as him fourth, fifth round, same spot where you picked him. So, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's another thing where uh, Powers was Powers was a four, right? When they drafted him, fourth round, yes, sir. Yeah, so it's it's one of these cases where you have a declining option value, a declining value of the original option, and and unfortunately, two things have occurred: the value of of Bozeman's future, sorry, uh, Powers' future to the Ravens has declined. But in addition, his cost has increased yes. relative to the declining value of that option. So, you know, the Ravens are really not have, having to make this consideration on the margin. And it's, and it's they've had this situation come up with fourth-year players before with RFA tenders. Uh, they had to come up with Chris Board last year where, where he agreed to sign for less. Uh, he agreed to have his salary reduced before the season. They, they've had to come up before with two players. Hurst and Jensen, I believe, were in their fourth year at the same point. I may have that wrong. It's it's mm. it's Jensen and one other player were in their fourth year at the same point, and they had to take less money uh, rather than take the full RFA tender. So they they uh, you know it, it's it, it's often done, and it's it's not something either the team or the player really wants to uh, make public. But it is often done that the that the that the teams really have the upper hand in in asking the player to take a 
uh, a lower salary. And, and, you know, otherwise the money's not guaranteed and RFA tender included, and they can cut that player if he's not injured at the end of camp um, and, uh, and just not, uh, and not, not pay him. Yeah. So in, in, in short, I don't see Ben Powers on the roster next year when it's all said and done. If I had to guess, I would say 60, 70% chance that he's not here, that the Ravens aggressively attack the offensive line, replace him, you know, to, you said the declining value, all that is true. So yes, I, I think when you're looking at the, uh, the 2022 Ravens, Ben Powers will be probably on the outside looking in, maybe a, a, a trade, maybe we can trade him um, to a team that needs some, some help in there. Yeah. Trade is possible and don't expect a big return in value. It'll probably be a six round pick if they trade Ben Powers, maybe a five at the, at the top end. The Ravens probably, they, they might be able to get a five from a team that's looking to possibly pick up a comp pick for Powers a couple of years hence. Right. You know, that, that, that they may feel like they, they can get a little more value that way and they have a needed guard right now. So maybe there's a, maybe there's a five out there for Ben Powers, but it's, it won't be exciting value guys. They're not going to get back the, the same round of selection. They, they expended here on a, on a player like Ben. I think there's probably about a 60 to 65% chance he ends up with the Ravens, but it'll be a lower salary than 2.5, okay. 4 million. Okay. I gotcha. So, right. So just work with them, keep them here for cheaper. I see. Yeah. Okay. And, and I think that fits the Ravens' mo of of wanting to keep a player happy. But they'll 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 look at trade avenues. They'll see if that works. Um, if if they do cut him, there there are other teams who want powers. If if they cut him, uh, someone will pick him up on a waiver claim. Probably. Oh no, probably not. Probably not. It'd be it'd be close. If somebody pick him up on a waiver claim, then somebody probably trade for him. So so if you if. Uh, I'm not sure how that would work out. It'd be interesting to see how that would work out. Yeah, because it's not a ton of it's not a ton of money, you know. If you claim them, it's you're not yeah. taking on a ten million dollar a year contract. So, yeah, it's a it's a question up in the air. But you know, in in all, that's a spot I would like to get younger and try to improve. So, you know, that that would be my my thing on that. Kevin Zeitler, though, Ken, yeah, that's a guy who played really really well. Probably, uh, I would say. I say play if I had to rank if it's him and Bozeman played the best. Uh, mm-hmm. We signed him for three years, twenty two million dollars. I read you off the the salaries for centers. Guards make a little bit more. So getting a player like Zeitler uh, at a seven million dollar about annual value um, was a really good move. Now we don't make we we can't cut him really this year. He's you know it's a negative cap hit. Not so that not we a, would. Not that we would anyway. <laughs> but um, you know, starting in in uh, twenty twenty three, that would be that's when the, his last year of the deal when he would be cuttable. But Kevin Zeitler will be the right guard for this team coming up in twenty twenty two. And I got to tell you, man, I had a good time putting together his highlights, Ken. Yeah, fun fun player. Uh, glue that held the line together. Even Bozeman played well. Uh, I think Zeitler was was more important in terms of taking responsibilities off Bozeman's plate and and making sure that the uh, you know the cadence was started properly and whatnot. So I I, I like what he did uh, in terms of how he scored the whole year. You you mentioned this and, and this bears rep, repetition is that there's a lot of game to game variation even for offensive linemen. And, you know, we, we understand that that can happen for receivers. A receiver gets shut down by a good cornerback, and then he has another big week against, against a guy who's not so great. Uh, you know, it, it, there's a lot of variation in terms of, of how that happens. The same is true for offensive linemen, and it can be true based on opponent. It can also be true just on when they have a bad game, pick up some penalties, the other guy gets in their head, whatever it might be. 
Um, and, and Zeitler had a terrible game in week three against Detroit. Fall, fell off the table. Had to be really worried about his season. Um, but then he came back from that. And, and after that, he, he, he had a remarkably fine season. One C- minus and one D after week three. But otherwise, A, B, B, B+, plus, A-, minus, A, B, A, C-, minus, A, C, D, B+, plus, and A-. minus. So a very fine, consistent season from Zeitler down the stretch in particular. And, uh, and he was the glue that held it together. A little bit too much in the way of penalty yards, 55 this year, year more than I would like. Um, but he was good in terms of, of quarterback hits and sacks and did not have a lot allowed. Uh, I think that, that if you look at some services, they'll tell you he had one or zero sacks allowed. He allowed two and a half sacks, as I count them, in terms of the partials involved. Only two-thirds of a quarterback hit the entire year, which is remarkable. And then about a little over 21 pressures. And then, Ken, something that I, I don't track numbers-wise, but I, I might start doing this next year, is that it seemed like Zeitler was singled up more than whoever we had at left guard or mm-hmm. center. So, you know, the Chicago Bears game comes to mind where they just basically said, okay, Zeitler, you're, you're blocking number 90. I think that's Angelo Blackson. And he had no chance against Zeitler. They singled Zeitler up on him all game, took care of him. It was a lockdown performance. Um, just a nice, nice to have a guy that can handle one-on-ones. Defensive teams that play a four-man front on most pass situations, which is a lot of what the Ravens face in a typical season because Cleveland and Pittsburgh in the division are both using a lot of four-man rush. So Cincinnati for, the, for that point. All, four, all three of the divisional teams do. Um, teams that use that and the Ravens tight end in line is on the right side creates a situation where you've got your three tech and it's usually, you know, the one of the dominating players for the opponent is matched up against Zeitler one on one. And yeah, he did do a good job on those. And and it's a good point. When, when I look at, a, at when the Ravens facing a four man front, I always do give the center his his scoring or his um, uh, how I adjust the, the, the scoring slightly in, in terms of that. With a jaundiced eye, because I think that you know it's 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 easiest for a center to face a four man pass rush because he's he's helping one way or the other. You kind of mentioned it earlier. Right, uh, been right. Yeah, with with that one tech, usually he's helping, and that's that's usually a guy. First of all, who's not that great a pass rusher. He's probably the least of the of the four pass rush concerns you have, and then it's also a double team, so it's a good a, a good situation both ways. But what Zeitler did, and, and and I think you mentioned it well, is that is that it's that's the matchup that a lot of teams really want to force on you is that three tech on the outside shoulder of your guard and what he can do. And Zeitler did a great job shutting that down this year. He did a great job, and uh, something else I noticed is when Zeitler, excuse me, Ken. Yep, still here. You doing okay? Yeah, sorry about that. When Zeitler was beat off the snap, he does he does a really good job of just riding that guy away from the pocket, the outside the pocket, almost like you see with the tackle, riding him away for the quarterback. Very rarely, I don't I can't really even think of one time where Zeitler was beat in that A gap between him and Bozeman. He protects that. He's got his his technique is just so steady. He looks the same all the time. And like I said, if somebody does get a little bit of edge to his outside right shoulder, he just kind of pushes that guy past the pocket and uh, got a couple of pancakes out of that, which I didn't necessarily mark as a positive play because he got beat off the snap and kind of, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't great to have somebody in the backfield that quickly, but wasn't a threat. It was just another obstacle to, to go around. So um, really pleased with Kevin Seitler. I did in your grades, there was a couple of games towards the end where he didn't have his best games kind of seemed Mm -hmm. like he wore down a little bit towards the end. Um, But 
you know, he's a veteran, steady guy, glad he's on the team this year and uh, coming up this year. Yeah, one of, the, one of the games where he didn't play maybe up to his level. The Rams, he got a B-plus for overall, but he had, a, he had a half a sack allowed in that game that was a very dangerous play. And you mentioned riding guys past the pocket. This one, riding them right is usually better. Riding them left across three linemen's legs, potentially very, very dangerous. And he oh, did yeah. that on, on one play. And, in fact, he, he ran into the back of Cleveland on that play. And that was, I was immediately afraid of an injury happening. You know, I, I, it's, it's the kind of thing I'm watching it, you know, for the first time where I'm really studying the offensive line. Well, after the game, I allow myself to suspend my disbelief during the football game, attending it, you know, obviously. That's and, the way to do it. Yes, sir. And, and Enjoy then, it. And then you come back and you, and you, and you start to watch the film on, on Monday night in particular. And you notice that, uh, oh, this is happening. And you see, boy, that's a big injury risk when, when he, when he's, you know, getting, essentially beat off his left shoulder uh, to the inside through that a gap and having to push a guy. It's still, I think he's a good inside out player, meaning he's, he's, he's more concerned about, about keeping that a gap straight. That's right. And, and, uh, and I think that that's a positive thing. It's just, I don't like how he does it sometimes, but Aaron Donald is a slippery and very fast cat. And, uh, and it, it can go wrong in a hurry with him. It, it was that that they, watching Aaron Donald kind of took it took took me away there because I don't get to study him and uh, yeah he 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 gave us uh he's the real deal man there's there's a reason that guy's going to be a Hall of Famer so yeah but Zeitler great player uh, good player just a great signing I feel really good about our right guard situation. Yeah. It's a, it a great contract. It really was. And the Ravens, I, I believe he'll play all three years as a Raven. It, it may be the kind of thing where he decides he starts to talk about retirement and not wanting to be playing without a deal for next year. Um, right. Coming in. I think it's more likely that'll be the direction of it than the Ravens saying, uh, now we don't, we want to save whatever it is, four or five million dollars from your, from your final year, your deal. So I'm really excited here, Ken, because I want to hear your Ben Cleveland. <laughs> I, I haven't, I haven't really talked to you about Ben Cleveland now. I'd like you to take it away, sir, and give me what you think of him. All right. Well, sure. I'll, I'll, I'll start off. Ben Cleveland, obviously, an up-and-down year. Um, and it's interesting because the last two games of the year represented both the worst we saw out of Ben Cleveland and the best. So early on, he, he split time a little bit. Uh, they had him on a rotational basis with Powers, which I thought was a really good way of doing it in weeks two, three, and four. And he got 25, 28, 25, and 33 snaps. That's the penalties excluded, so it'll differ a little bit from other sources. Played reasonably well, a B, a B, and a D-plus in those three games. Uh, not a great showing against Denver, obviously. But there was enough there to, for, for me to think that that some of the things I'd seen in camp and and, and combined with the this physical tools, uh, that he'd be good. Unfortunately, four snaps into the Annapolis game, he got hurt, and then he missed a long stretch. And uh, came back against, against Green Bay, played well. The next week played okay against Cincinnati, I thought. Uh, the Rams, he had his worst game of the year. And, oh, yeah. and I, the Rams inside guys, uh, number 94, and I've forgotten his name now. Um, mm, I'll come to me. Great Gaines is the. No, Gaines is good, but. Gaines but, is but, 90, right? Yeah. It's, I, it's number 94. He's a, he's, a, he's a large guy, got a sack uh, early on. And he really he's one of these guys that you wouldn't figure to overpower Ben Cleveland, but a very good leverage guy. And. and uh, and uh, certainly, I get describes gains as well, but it's number ninety four anyway. Okay. Ninety four and ninety nine gave the Ravens all kinds of trouble. We all know who ninety nine is. Ninety nine uh, versus Cleveland. <laughs> that had to be an, an eye opening uh, experience for Ben Cleveland because yes, he he wasn't great. His grades were up and down, 
but versus the Aaron Donald was the first time I saw Ben Cleveland in, in uh, oh shit mode, I guess it's fair mm-hmm. to, uh, safe to say on the pod. Yeah. Like he just beat him so bad over and over again that Ben Cleveland was out of his uh, sorts, out of his routine. You could tell everything was just a little bit off. And um, he came back in that Pittsburgh game, I think is what you're referring to, and uh, I saw a little bit of nastiness in him in that game, a little yeah. bit of aggressiveness. Uh, so not only did he play a lot better in that game, but I saw a different kind of attitude from Ben Cleveland in that finale, which made me really happy to see because a lot of the year it looked like he was just feeling his way, getting comfortable to the NFL. And that last game uh, against Pittsburgh, it looked like he, he let loose. Yeah, it's an outstanding game. Uh, he was in there for 70 snaps. He had six highlight blocks in that game. So I count up highlight blocks, and they go into the, the score adjustment for a player for any given game. It's rare that I give an internal player anything higher than about .02 or .03. But in this game, playing against Cam Hayward with six highlight blocks, I gave him .08, which took him from – it would have been an A anyway, but into a, into a pretty medium-high A. Uh, land. He's made all six of his polls, so that's you know mm-hmm. something we've been had concerns about before that he had had been a little bit tentative on polls, but he was getting to them. He was he was hitting people play after play. I thought that was positive. One thing that I really love to see is offensive linemen having fun winning the line of scrimmage on a consistent basis, and to do it against the Pittsburgh Steelers and against Cam Hayward, you know, play after play. Uh, is really something. And what, one thing that you can see, if you look back on your video, you, do you still have the DVR uh, version of the sure, game? Sure, okay. yes, sir. Go back to that, and it's after the two consecutive long runs, the 22 and the 27, by Latavius Murray, and the drive ended with the interception. But there's a 22 and a 27 by Latavius Murray or the driver. After the 27, then there's a they, they, they pay, the, the – Camera catches the offensive line coming, going back to the huddle, and you kind of see Ben Cleveland's face turning as he's going into the huddle. The guy is obviously having a lot of fun, and that offensive line is winning the line of scrimmage play after play. And it's just it's it's a party going back to the huddle every play when you're having a game like that. Unfortunately, the Ravens didn't put it away, Um, but you know they rushed for almost 250 yards against the Steelers and. And they did it with Latavius Murray at right. running back, which means they were creating some significant holes at a level two. No, it makes me it makes me happy that that you noticed that too because I was watching. Yeah, you know, I watched the game live and didn't notice that. But then you know I'm looking at the all twenty two and you don't get all of that. You know what yeah. I mean? But it just looked like a different player as far as Ben Cleveland just decided to let loose. Not decided. Maybe he was angry about the Aaron Donald thing. Maybe he was getting a little more comfortable. Maybe somebody got on him. Whatever it was, you know, when you look, watched him early in the season, he looked like he was just trying not to make a mistake, trying to be in the right spot, trying not to overcommit somewhere. Hey, I'm a big guy. And it was fine. I thought he did pretty well. But, uh, yeah, he, he really let loose at Pittsburgh, and we got to see some personality from him in his play. I didn't see his the countenance, you know, on his face, but uh, but that's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I think that next year, is a, is a, as far as upside goes, is his year to prove himself. Oh, yeah. Now, now again, you know, I, I don't, I'm not in the mood to just hand out and be confident. Oh, we don't need another left guard. We got Ben Cleveland. Um, but him and Phillips, between the two of them, I feel okay about that. And I feel like Ben Cleveland is really the one who showed me he's more ready to play. Tough yeah. call. You might not might not agree. A lot of other people like Phillips, but but Ben Cleveland, I think, for his first year, handled himself looked like he belonged. The situation with Phillips was a little bit like the situation with Hurst and Brown in two thousand and eighteen. 
when Brown had to kind of wait until yes. about midseason. And, and I, there didn't seem to be any practical reason. I'm looking at the two of them in camp and say, you know, there's, there's no practical reason why you want to give this job to Hurst. I mean, you, 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 I just I, I, I could see none. But anyway, this this coming year, um, they, they do need to try and figure out who Tyree Phillips is if they want to keep him. But I don't think they can make the commitment to giving him the starting position. I think that's Ben Cleveland's to lose at this point. Um, with what he's done. And, uh, you know, they've got three guys. They could say, oh, we got this big battle going on, but it better be Ben Cleveland come opening day because he's the guy with the, with the tons of upside. We both agree that um, I, I think that you, you tend to evaluate Powers a little lower than me, but I think Powers has proven that he can play guard in the NFL. Sure. Um, I, I, I don't think Phillips has. So I think you're taking a chance right there if you if you put Phillips in at guard. It might be it's a move with some upside, but I think the Penn Cleveland upside based on what we saw alone in that Pittsburgh game uh, is a lot more exciting. You know what else surprised or pleasantly surprised me is that uh, I thought he was a better pass protector in the pros than I expected him year one. Yeah. Ben Cleveland, you know, everybody sticks with his, uh, you know, oh man, he's so big, strong, butt kicker out there. But as far as like his. It's just calmness and how hard it is to get around him. I thought he picked stuff up a little bit late, but for the most part, uh, he saw it coming and was able to just use his size. Yeah, it, it's there's. I have two great examples of that they both came actually in that Pittsburgh game, and they're not highlight blocks, and they're not they're not even classified as pancakes by me because another player is engaged. Mm-hmm. But I, I talked a lot of during the during the draft process about how Cleveland is a good inside to outside processor. And that I'd seen him throw some help blocks at Georgia that were very effective. And he was playing right guard at the time, but he was going from center to the right. Now he's going from center to the left in terms of, of figuring out responsibilities. Do I need to help the center when I no longer have to? Is there anybody blitzing? Anybody coming through this B or A gap threatening that on this side? Anybody potentially stunning? And then he goes over to help the left tackle. Well, guess what? The Ravens left tackle needed a lot of help this year. <laughs> in particular, it's the kind of pressure where a help block can really help that's kind of redundant, I guess, but, but, a, but a help block can be exceptionally helpful because, because he's giving ground and mirroring with the player. And that's, that's when the guy is set up to take an absolute ass kicking of a rib shot from that, from that left guard. And I want to see him deliver as many of those as possible without giving up a lot of left tackle mirroring pressure in the process. <laughs> exactly. It's uh, just, a, it's a feel thing, Ken. It's a feel thing. And I, you, you can't blame the young man for this is my chance. I'm competing. I'm going to play it a little bit safe. I just want to make sure, you know, and then you, you see that, but I see it in the development as him is like, he was getting comfortable and holding his own. He was not never really overmatched. I mean, of course he had bad snaps, but you know, game to game, he did not look like it was too big to him until Aaron Donald came to town. And then as far as like the upside, he's going to be the player that he was in college in the NFL. I, I feel pretty strongly about that. So um, whereas Phillips, I have a lot of unknown, you know, man, I've seen the flashes, but he just don't seem to get it. I don't feel that way with Cleveland. Yeah. I'll, I'm, I'm excited. I mean, it's, Phillips could still be a guy who figures it out. Um, but I'm afraid it's probably not going to be with the Ravens. I mean, he's entering year three now. He's, he's basically, in the uh, you know at, at a point where it's going to be difficult for him to figure it out before year four, which means the Ravens are probably going to going to lose him to free agency after year four. Uh, so I, I don't I don't really see that working out for for Phillips. Now, a lot of things can change in the NFL very quickly, as they did uh, in in twenty one, and he could have a role. 
by week two. <laughs> and RCS. You could be playing, yeah, you could be playing well and, uh, and and doing that. Of course, he could have a role in week one. We really don't know if uh, if if Harbaugh follows you know a previous rules about letting the more senior player uh, retain the position until he loses it. Then you know he he could have a rule. Uh, he could play well starting week one, and and uh, you know Wally Pip, a player like Cleveland, out of the job. Well, I tell you, you know Phillips got the uh, uh, the benefit of the doubt their very first year because Ben Powers was there, veteran DJ Fluker was there, and the Harbaugh did something uncharacteristic, which was play a college left tackle at right guard to start the season, mm-hmm. and then this past year. He, he wanted Phillips at left guard until he couldn't have him there anymore. So Phillips strikes me as a, and I, I don't like to say this because people get the wrong idea, but a favorite of the coach, like the coach really yes. believes in him. So um, to, to write him off would be a mistake. My problem is that the, it's a light bulb going off kind of thing with Tyree and we haven't seen it. And I don't think it's fair to him that he's been moved around. I've said that numerous times. I've tweeted it out. It's a really hard to ask someone to move, to change positions. And but but Tyree's got to take some responsibility for this, too. I, I don't see any aggressiveness in this game. Um, it's 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 really looks like you can see the cloud bubble, the thought bubble above his head while he's playing. And guess what, Ken? It's year three coming up for him. Right. Uh, it's it's now or never time as far as, like you said, his time at the Baltimore Ravens. He better he better show it up this year. Um, it's going to be interesting to see. I want to go back to the point you made about aggressiveness because it's an excellent point. Tyree has over 35-inch arms. He has a lot of physical strength. I don't know how much functional strength he has in a relative sense. In terms of his how he can translate that to gameplay, we haven't really seen as much of that. As we have, you know, we know that the guy can lift and we know the guy is, has enormously long arms. Uh, he, is, he certainly has tackle-length arms over 35 inches. And, and he should be punching. He should really be trying right. to figure out, creating a plan the way a pass rusher creates a plan of how can I get this guy off his center? You know, get him from to stop executing his plan by making that punch, you know, getting him under the armpit, getting a, you know, shot to the heart, whatever it might be, uh, to, to try and make him off his center and, and, and keep him off his game. It's just that, that physicality, if it's not a part of his game, it's a mistake. And, you know, it's the kind of thing you hope he'll get positional coaching for during the offseason. If he did come to camp and, and he was a different, he suddenly was a puncher, a striker right off the right off the snap. I think, you know, there'd be a lot of reason why he might get the first shot at left guard. There you go. And, you know, but again, I think some of that is on the Ravens and some of it's on Phillips himself. So we'll see that, you know, I'm pretty patient as an as a, as someone who evaluates players. But once you've gone two full years and you still look like he did pretty much as a rookie, in my opinion, that to me is an issue somewhere along the line. Like you can't just blame that all on coaching. He's got to take ownership and, and try and try, you know, um, to, well, I mean, he obviously is trying, but he's got to take ownership and, and have some of that come from from within. So, right. Patrick Queen, a not too dissimilar situation. I mean, Phillips could say, well, I was a left tackle always in college, always been a left tackle, you know, growing up. Mm-hmm. And now you're asking me to play guard and it's different. And this, well, that's true. And, and, you know, Patrick Queen's being asked to do something. He's so young and this, and that. I'm tired of the excuses now. It's year three for both players. That's right. Put up, put up or shut up. You know, it's 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 uh, it's it's time to time to get it done at the NFL level to prove you can play in this league. And frankly, you haven't earned the snaps yet. And, and that's true of both players, by the way. I, 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 Queen has been given snaps because we don't have any better options. 
Phillips has been has been given some snaps because he's a I think a coach's favorite. And I actually think that both Cleveland and he are coach's favorite. I think they both were favorites of Harbaugh, uh, as I've heard in terms of where they were drafted. Uh, and it's it, you know each of these players needs to basically take whatever snaps are given to him, whether they pick them up via injury, garbage time, rotational play, whatever, and not complain about the amount of play they're getting. Just focus on, on having great snap-by-snap results in the, in the opportunities they get. Yeah, and play hard. I would yeah. say that for both of them. Play hard. Don't be afraid to just go all out. Don't be thinking. You know, sometimes you just got to kick butt. You know, we got to have that mentality. And we've seen that come and go with Patrick Queen. When it's yeah. time, when he's got, you know, it's an open field and it's his chance to kick butt, uh, he's all about it. But if when it comes to the dirty work and there's a 300-pound man in his face, he, mm-hmm. eh, I don't know about that one. You know what I mean? So same same thing for Tyree. I want to see him play like his hair is on fire. I think that that would help him a lot. And, and Ken, the, the only other guy I think we didn't talk about was uh, Tristan Colon. Mm-hmm. I know we're, we're running late, so I just wanted to, you know, give it uh, – Exclusive rights free agent, I believe, right? ERFA? ERFA. So the Ravens have him at at the contract they want at the league minimum. He started the one game. I believe that was the Rams game when Bozeman got sick uh, beforehand. Uh, He played in 12 games. Uh, For me, Tristan Colon is is an okay player. I like his attitude, by the way, just the intangible. He's always really engaged on the sideline, in Mm -hmm. the huddle. Uh, Seems like a great guy. Like, you will want to be his teammate. Um, But... I would like to see a scenario where, again, you know, we have this young rookie. We talked about McCary maybe uh, inheriting the uh, center position where I, I want to see a, a, a rookie push Kristen Cologne, Tristan Cologne uh, for a spot this uh, in this roster and make the Ravens have tough decisions. So I don't I see think, a superstar. I Not think a that's a high, high probability of happening in Cologne's case. I, I don't I think the Ravens thought more of him in 2020 when they brought him up to the roster rather than lose him to an outside the organization signing. I don't know if you remember that, but but they, they actually elevated him to the roster and then deactivated him the same week, which is very unusual. Right, okay. yes. And, and and they did it because somebody else was sniffing around and wanted to sign him, and the Ravens said, you know what, we'll, we'll, we'll elevate you now. I don't think the Ravens, the Ravens he, he enters year three. He's um, maybe not on the bubble in camp, but he's in danger. He's not a sure thing to make the roster. And uh, if, if they found a better center, I think they, they drafted a guy they really like. I think they'd use him. I, I Cologne has a, as a, you know, since he's backed up at a few different positions, he's backed up at garden center. He's, he's probably a little more likely to hang around for this year than some other players. Um, doesn't have a contract issue like say Ben Powers does or a year four issue like some other players have, but you know, he's, if, if he's going to get playing time, it's got to be this year. And, uh, uh, I do not believe if he, if he has a similar number of snaps this year, I don't believe he'd be a, a Raven in 2023. I agree. And I think he's a good player to hang on to, uh, you know, nothing's happening with him. We're, we're going to, we're not going to find out what his status is with next year's team until, probably final cuts, you know, it, it seems like that because I, I see him as a player that is capped by his physical ability. Uh, his, his lack of length does show up, Ken, like he's sure. a fighter, but his lack of length shows up, I, you know, and I'm not a, a stickler on arms as much, but it does with Cologne, it caps his upside. Um, it's very noticeable. So good player, a uh, great football player, maybe one of those four, a players, you know, great yeah. college player. If there was a minor league football He'd be great there too. NFL is just a 
a little too much to ask him to be an every down starter. Button the Canadian Football League. That's, that's right. I, yes, sir. That's, sure. so that's 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 quadruple A. Uh, all right, outstanding, I, Jason. Always a pleasure to talk uh, offensive line with you. Uh, is it, do any other overarching thoughts, maybe about how much draft capital you expect the Ravens to use on interior linemen? Now we know they're probably, probably I'd be in favor of them taking two picks at tackle. One guy who's an early premium pick and another guy who's a developed metal tackle because I think they, they're really short at tackle at this point. But w- what about the interior offensive line? How many picks would you expect there? Thanks, Ken, because I think that this is something that uh, that Ravens fans are kind of uh, sleeping on. You know, they're caught up on a few different topics. Obviously, Greg Roman's a big one and Harbaugh and all that. But it seems like, hey, do we sign Bozeman to be the center? Or are we going to have to go out and get a center? And I'm looking at the guard position, like you said, with Zeitler, um, you know, unknown after this year. Does he want to keep playing? Do we extend him? Is he starting to fall off? Uh, you know, you want to have a backup plan if Phillips doesn't, uh, the light bulb doesn't go off and he's a below average player, then are, do you really want to go in with just Ben Cleveland as your starting left guard? So I think that the uh, guard is a, is a sneaky need for this team, not a top need but a need nonetheless. Like I would like to see a young guy brought in. Can't wait to dig into this class uh, who can actually compete with a, who, who you expect to beat out of Ben Powers, who you expect to be able to compete. Hey, if the light doesn't go on for Tyree, this guy could be, is going to be better than Tyree. Uh, so, so yes, I, I, I would put it. And with our fourth round picks, Ken, this is what an overarching thing, uh, theme for me. You look at your nose tackle. You look at a middle linebacker, uh, you look at a running back, you look at a guard. Those All four of those are not considered premium positions. They should be stocked in this draft. We can get our next middle linebacker in the fourth round of this draft or our third running back in the fourth round, our next Brandon Williams in the fourth round, our next Kevin Zeitler or, uh, in the fourth round. So I'm really excited. That fourth round this year, also like the punter out of, uh, I can't remember his school, it was a West right. Coast kid, uh, yeah. bombing those 80-yard punts. Yep. Yeah, San Diego State Areza or something like that. Apologize for his fans. But um, when you look at that, I'm like, Ken, you know, Sam Cook's getting kind of old. Uh, if we took a punter in the fourth round, I don't know if I would hate it because this guy's kicking the ball 90 yards in the air. It's it would be an interesting choice. I, I, I honestly think he'll be gone by then. I think somebody yeah. else will t- will take a flyer higher in the draft. Now, people have been burned on punters time after time after Steelers time. Steelers this year. The Steelers well, this year. Yeah, I mean, you go back to Ray Guy. I believe I believe Ray Guy might have been a first or second round pick. I'm trying to remember exactly when he when he was picked. But then the, the, he's often the one that's always mentioned when right. people talk about great punters being taken. He was a good punter for for a good long time. But Russell Erksleben, does anybody remember that name? I, I don't even know who that is, okay. Ken. He's a kicker-punter drafted by the Saints. He was going to solve every problem they had. Take a look at his career. It's not that exciting. So it's, uh, but he's, he's a, I believe, a first-round selection by the Saints back in that era as a, okay. as a kicker-punter. You, you can look him up right now. But uh, uh, he, he, late 70s. I want to say was the was the was the period he was drafted might have been early '80s, but the Saints were bad for a long period of time, and they had a reputation that was similar to the Cleveland Browns in terms of blowing those early draft picks. So, uh, yeah. So, so you think the punter might go a little earlier? I, I don't know where he's going to end up on my list, but I think I'm going to put him on there because, I mean, it's just amazing to watch this man kick the ball. If you know, for for I, I have to put. Maybe I'll type his name in in the comments, but it's like uh, A R A I Z. 
Arasia or something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, what he does with the football is amazing. Hopefully he can hold for uh, the kicker. That's, and- that's really the case. Because if, if they do get rid of Cook, it's a Hall of Fame holder they're giving up. Yes, not sir. Just, not, just a hall, not just a very good punter. They're giving up a Hall of Fame holder. And that's where I think that the thing may be stuck. I think you know, Cook didn't have a terrible year. Sure, they want to pressure him in camp every year to try and see if he can hold his job. But in, in the end, and he I might retire too. Could be. He's there. He's up there, you know, in age. I, I think. I, I think they're going to have to push him out the door. They're going to have to deactivate okay. his key card in order for him to be uh, uh, not there. Leave his leave his photo with security as somebody they don't want in the building because it it just it doesn't seem like he's the kind of player that the Ravens. Uh, sorry, that, that would retire from a, you know, a, a, let's say it's a, a million and a half to two and a, to two million dollars a year of salary right. that, that he's getting. It just seems unlikely. All right. I, yeah, I'd never met Sam Cook. You probably got a better feel for his personality to me, but he didn't look too happy with that incomplete pass, Ken. So maybe no. he doesn't maybe he doesn't want to end on that note. You know what I mean? He wants to get another completion in there. all right uh great having you on jason uh tell folks again one one time where they can find your work sure um you know if you made it this far i would really encourage you to check out my my channel uh huddle it up films and uh that's on youtube i'm doing highlights for every single player um that i can so i'm basically doing 50 highlight videos in 50 days or thereabouts um, mentioned that I have Zeitlers and Bozeman's up there. So if you're interested in offensive linemen, you want to see the stuff that we're talking about, go ahead and look it up. It's only a four-minute, six-minute videos. I put their best plays, what I consider mostly their best plays in the front, uh, and just regular good plays at the end. Uh, defensive players, defensive linemen, you want to see Brandon Williams. You want to see Marcus Peters. You want to see uh, Deshaun Elliott when he was in there. I'm putting them all together and releasing uh, the highlight videos, something I'm very proud of and something that uh, other Ravens analysts have even told me that they use, that it's a good eye test, you know, just to see what this player looks like when they're going right. So I'm very proud of that, Ken. And then, uh, you know, uh, please uh, interact with me on Twitter, Huddle It Up Films, Huddle It Up Films. Be more than happy to talk with you. A little quiet on the draft, Ken, like I said, because I want to get my ducks in a row before I go out there just running my mouth. That's that is the way to do it. And you know, we, anybody on Twitter who's basically saying, "Oh, I got these guys ranked, and I got this and that," and I, I immediately have some questions because it just it takes more review than that. It's a, it's a long process to go through the the, the draft. Look, even even at a, a a topical level to really understand the players that are out there. Um, I, I I did want to say if you want me, we've been talking about video projects we do this off season. I'd love to talk about your Ben Powers highlight video and do that with you because there's a lot of plays in particular from that Steelers game that I think have really positive portent for, for 2022 that I think are worth. You're talking about Cleveland, Cleveland. I'm sorry. Yeah. Not powers, Cleveland. I I can do powers too, by the way, but, but Cleveland. Absolutely. Yeah. Maybe we can do a video um, where we play, we go through his highlights and uh, maybe I can pull some poor plays too, and we could do something fun sure. on my channel. That'd be good. That'd be fun. Yeah, happy to do that. If you want, if you want lists of poor plays from that, maybe even you know his best and his worst from that that Pittsburgh game alone, which we know is his, his best outing of the year. Uh, we we could certainly talk about that. I'll, I'll, I'll be happy to provide you. With there you go. I'd love that. to have Ken on the channel. Love to have you on the channel, channel Ken. So that'd be yeah. great.
Sorry about that. Outstanding, Jason. Always great talking football with you. Other people out there, if you'd like to talk about talk about football this offseason, and I, I know we're all a little bit down on the Ravens, but here's the series for you. It's fixing the Ravens. So I want to hear from you about what is required to fix the Baltimore Ravens for 2022. And the narrower the topic, the quicker we're going to be able to get to it and get it on air. If you want a, if a complex topic like firing Wink Martindale, I'm going to want a lot of things that go with that. Like who are you going to replace him with? What defense would you rather see run than, than what they're doing? So try and make it narrow. Something about maybe how do the Ravens get younger on the defensive line, that sort of thing. If you've got an idea about they get, they get this veteran on a one-year deal and they've got, you know, draft picks and there's three guys you like that's the kind of kind of narrow focus i'd like something to be discussed in 20 or 25 minutes jason thanks again for coming on thank you ken appreciate you and we'll talk to you next time on film study When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.